Hello, photographers, creatives, and everyone else listening, and welcome to another episode of the Dan Kennedy Podcast, hosted by me, Dan Kennedy. I've been a fashion and portrait photographer for over 20 years working in London. This podcast is a place for me to interview and to introduce you to some interesting and inspiring creatives. Today's podcast guest is Sunday Times Magazine picture editor, Russ O'Connell. I'm delighted to snag some time with Russ, who these days is top of his game. He commissioned some of the world's greatest photographers, uh, including David Bailey, Peggy Sirota, and many other fine documentary photographers. I'm especially happy to chat to Russ because we go back a little way and he's been pretty instrumental in my professional journey, booking me for some fun studio gigs when I barely knew what I was doing back in the days of Heat Magazine. In this interview, we cover a lot. We talk about his experience going from Heat Magazine to Q Magazine, covering the world of music and then getting his dream job as picture editor of the Sunday Times magazine. We talk about commissioning shoots, going on shoots, uh, when shoots go wrong and lots, lots more. So um, I thought it'd be really interesting to uh, speak to someone who is in a position of power, really. He can pick up the phone to pretty much any photographer in the world and 99% of them say yes. So I really hope you enjoy my uh, long chat with Russ O'Connell. Russ, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. Just want to start by um, talking about your role at the Sunday Times, really. You're here in charge of all the imagery for one of the most prominent titles in the world. And, um, you know, what's that like? It's a great... That's a big question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a big Just, question to start yeah. with. But yeah. Um, what, what, what's your job like? It's a privileged position, really. It's a magazine that I'd always wanted to, to work on, even from kind of, you know, before I started in my journey in photography. It was always a, a magazine and a title that I'd looked up to. So to kind of finally be here is, is a bit of a kind of career goal, I suppose. Kind of not an end game, but definitely a, a kind of career goal. Is it sort of your dream job, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, especially... You know, going through the number of titles or, or the titles that I worked on, I'd always held it in high regard. And to finally be able to kind of be here and, and work on it is just a dream come true, I suppose. Yeah, great. I mean, you've you've worked all over the magazine arena. You're one of your one of your longest stints was at Q magazine, yeah. the the famous music mag. What what was that like? Was did was that a, was that an enjoyable time? Yeah, I mean, it is is I suppose Q Q is a strange kettle of fish for me because. Kind of growing up, I was into you know more kind of alternative music and and stuff, and then I, I kind of moved away from that, and then you know I was into more electronic stuff, I suppose to a certain extent. But when I was working at Heat Magazine, which is the first kind of magazine that I started out at, the kind of I'd worked there for a number of years, and then the role at Q came up, and then I found myself kind of scratching my head a bit, thinking, you know, is this going to interest me? Isn't it? You know, me five years before would have grabbed at it, you know in open arms and, and been really kind of enthusiastic to go there. But so it was, a, it was a real kind of mixed quandary for me, whether or not to, to go and join onto it because of the music it was kind of associated with at the time. But then I was still kind of interested in certain bands and that, that they covered. And, um, I was glad to actually move over there because of the experience that it gave me. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, arriving in London, probably aged about 20, just being in awe of Q and its yeah. covers and mm. its photographic style. And, yeah. Uh, it, it was, it was epic. You know? Yeah. So, and that, um, that's what kind of drew me to the title. I mean, even when I was at, at Heat Magazine previously, I didn't actually know that everything that they had, or the majority of photos in that magazine, they had actually shot. So to come from a magazine where, you know, what was essentially a gossip magazine, 
full of paparazzi pics and you do kind of one or two shoots a week there to come to a magazine where 90% of the material is actually commissioned and photographed was amazing. Mm. And to have access to these, you know, massive bands was, was a real privilege, I think. Did you like notice a difference in tone from people, you know, when you're ringing up saying, hi, I'm calling from heat. And then suddenly you're like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, they both had their kind of, their kind of same gravitas in, in their own fields, I suppose, you know, the kind of reality stars would always want to be in Heat magazine. Yeah. And obviously the musicians would want to be in Q, but Q had more of a kind of, you know, authority and seriousness about it as opposed to sort of Heat. And that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, did you get like, did you get loads of gig tickets and, uh, and did you go on any wild shoots? At, yeah, at, I in- could, uh, you know, get a lot of music, which was great. And it really kind of expanded, expanded my musical taste. Um, as I said, I was never kind of a indie kid as it were. I was into, you know, a lot harder stuff when I was younger, but it kind of really helped musically. It really helped to broaden my horizons musically and, and also photographically. But yeah, you get, you know, invited to gigs and stuff like that, which is brilliant. But then also the access that, that we used to get because of the, the magazine and the majority of musicians wanted to be in a magazine. So they'll pretty much do anything for it. So yeah. you could get some amazing access and, you know, go on some amazing shoots. Great. God, did you travel much? Yeah. You? Yeah. I mean, I, I had, you know, I have to pinch myself now kind of looking back at it. It's one of those things when you're when you're kind of living the moment and doing it, you don't actually realise what you're doing until someone actually stops you and goes, "Wow, that's fucking amazing! How did you do that?" Or and kind of look back on it. But yeah, I you know, went on tour with Bruce Springsteen, which is amazing, and it's got to fly in his private jet. Wow, with what him, was that which like? is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even now, you know, I kind of kick myself that I didn't appreciate it more. Yeah, than I did. How but was he? Was he? He was such a dude. Yeah, he was brilliant, and. It's always what I found, you know, working in this industry. It's always the older generation and the, and the people who've been around the block are, are the best. You know, they're the ones that understand it and they don't give you any shit and they're not ourselves. Mm. You know, they're generally nice to people and they actually take time out to speak to you and, you know, include you in everything, which is brilliant. Yeah. God, amazing. Where where was the tour then or where did you so join So it started it? off in, had to, we flew over to Houston to cover it. It was for the cover of the magazine. So we flew over to Houston to, to kind of document the, the gig and then do portrait with him. We did some of the gig shot portrait and then he couldn't, he didn't have time to carry on doing the interview there. So he invited us to follow him or go with him to Denver. So, you know, proper out the movies, you get in this kind of escalade and there's a police escort all the way, you know, through the city, all the way up to the airport, up to the plane, you know, literally step out the car onto the plane. And so I went with him to Denver and then we finished the kind of Denver show and, and then he invited us to New York. So we flew with him all the way back to New Jersey, New York. Wow. Kind of so that's pretty, pretty intense. And did you see the show in New York? Yeah. Yeah. It's all kind of three. It's, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's good. I was a convert after that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. God, that's great. So how does it feel now to be able to pick up the phone to pretty much anyone worldwide and commission them? And, and is, is that actually the case, you know, from the outside looking in, I sort of imagine you could kind of you've got the hot desk phone you can call anyone from Leibovitz to Art Stryber to David Bailey and they will take on a commission you know for you is that pretty much the case? yeah I mean well it, it does help having the gravitas of you know magazine like Sunday Times magazine kind of behind you people's kind of ears prick up the minute that you mention it and it holds it's you know it's held in high regard throughout the industry and throughout the world I suppose so it you're kind of a serious player when you're you're having those conversations and people take you seriously yeah kind of perhaps less so than with some other titles. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah, it's definitely helps to have that kind of gravitas behind you, but also the kind of relationships that you nurture over the years and, and working with these 
you know, photographers and, and over the years, you kind of get those kind of relationships that I've worked with photographers, you know, high profile photographers that used to shoot for me at Q that will now shoot for me at, at Sunday Times magazine. Yeah. Um, and likewise at GQ, when I was at GQ that were kind of work for me at Sunday Times magazine, which is great. You know, so yeah. it helps to kind of build those relationships and, and pull people through with you at mm. the same time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Who would you say is the most impressive photographer that you've worked with and why? Oh God, here we go. Big pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's the, the kind of a list or the, the great list as it were, the kind of Norman Jean Roy's, the David Bailey's out of, you know, historical or yeah. Peggy Sorota, people like that. Just, these kind of big photographers that I'd always, you know, held in high esteem on the pedestal and really kind of loved their work. And, you know, to be able to actually work with them and collaborate with them on stuff has been absolutely amazing. And do you, in those scenarios, have you commissioned them and have you actually been on the shoot then? Yeah. Yeah. More so with, with, um, yeah, with Peggy of when I was at GQ, went over for a couple of times to LA to shoot with her, mm. which is great. Bailey, I remember walking into his studio the first time when I was at Q and it was kind of just you know, I was awestruck. It's down a little muse lane in London. And then you go into this kind of muse house and basement stinks of developer and fixer and everything. Really? It's, yeah. So it was a real kind of, you know, assault on the senses experience. And, and then walking up into, into the studio, it's kind of wooden floors and, you know, the amazing, always crazed pictures and stuff like that. And then, wow. you know, his iconic stalls sitting there. It was, it was good. Yeah. yeah it was definitely something to remember and experience to kind of remember in a career highlight, I suppose. Yeah, God, definitely. Was it, how was he with you? Was he okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. I mean, he's Bailey at the end of the day. He can be cantankerous or he can be lovely if he remembers who you are. Yeah. It's, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's an experience in itself. Right. And as well as portrait related shoots, which obviously are really important for the Sunday times as is documentary, uh, photography. And so, um, you're presumably involved in, commissioning documentary photographers as well yeah yeah and it's something i'm really kind of passionate about and something that i really wanted to to learn more about joining the, the magazine obviously because of its its origin and its history with photojournalism mm. documentary photography you know likes of don mccullen shot for the magazine all of his vietnam material was shot for the sunday times yeah. magazine so it's a real kind of privilege to to be working on that kind of title and commission those kind of stories still they're kind of fewer and far between, but we still do it. And we still, you know, for stories worth investing in, we still will commission, um, you know, stuff abroad. Is it harder? Is it harder to do that rather than to pick the phone up to an LA photographer and say, hey, listen, you know, you've got 40 minutes with Dave Grohl. Or, you know, is it a lot harder to then pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, there's potential genocide in, you know, whatever. Potentially, yeah, because you, you, you obviously you can't, I mean, in both circumstances, to a certain extent, you can't predict what you're going to get, but mm. you can control it more, I suppose, with a with a portrait Definitely. shoot and the yeah. studio-based shoot. But with um with the reportage stuff and the the kind of photojournalism, it's your your belief in the photographer, I think, and your trust in the photographer, and knowing kind of the back catalogue of work that they do, that they'll be able to go into that situation, not get phased by it, mm. and kind of come back with the goods. So you can't really you can brief to a certain extent, but a lot of you know it's it's essentially news photography. So, yeah. you know, the events happen and yeah. they're, they're there to kind of document it and create the story through that. So you can't really manipulate it or mold yeah. it. As it must much. be, um, it must be amazing to um, get back a set of pictures like that, where neither you nor the photographer are essentially knowing what you're, what you're going to be getting. You know, it must be really rewarding for you to kind of come in and uh, on a Monday morning and see, 
it's an amazing set of pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. It's um, and that makes it kind of all worthwhile. But it, it, a lot of it is down to you know your trust and your relationship with that photographer and and them knowing what they're doing and being confident in what mm. they're doing. Um, you know, you wouldn't send someone who's never been in a in a conflict or you know a war zone into a war zone because they just you know might lose their shit and run <laughs> off and not and not bring anything back to you. Whereas you know it's always helpful in those circumstances to know someone that that is a going to come back with the pictures and B, do it safely and not put themselves at risk. Yeah. What's the biggest shoot fuck up you've been involved with and why, if I'm allowed to ask you? <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, so have, you, have you been on a shoot that hasn't happened? So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. God, years ago when I was at Q, I was on a shoot with Lady Gaga and um, it was right at the height of their fame, actually. And it was a strange day. She turned up really late, kind of half naked. She's literally just in this kind of Mac, naked underneath and was being chased by paparazzi by the time she arrived to the studio. She turned up in the studio late and then um, we kind of had these ideas that we wanted to do with her. She came in, she's like, let's have lunch and kind of, you know, then we go over the ideas. So that kind of delayed things even more. And then she went off kind of had some grooming done or whatever and then came back. And um, she's like, right, let's call a meeting to, you know, have a conversation about what we're going to do. And I was aware that all these people were kind of turning up that we didn't know who they were. And consequently, you know, that's her team, her creative team, as it was. So we sat down and um, we had this these kind of strong ideas that we wanted to do, and which we had kind of pitched to her previously. And she sat down and kind of looked at myself and the creative director at the time, Ian, and kind of said, yeah, so um, I've had a look at your ideas and uh, I'm not going to do that. I want to do this. And with that, she pulled out a black strap on dildo. And threw it on the table. And obviously, you know, it's not something you see every day. And jaws to the floor, we're just like, right, okay. And her whole thinking of it was that around that time, at the height of her fame, people were kind of questioning whether she was, you know, a man or a woman or a hermaphrodite or that. So she wanted to pose, you know, on the cover of the magazine, bearing in mind, you know, this is a magazine that would be on sale on Tesco's, you know, on the third row or whatever. Standing there naked with a strap on dildo. <laughs> so after a bit of a negotiation, we kind of managed to convince her that she had to wear kind of trousers and she could put the dildo down her trousers so it looked like she had a massive dick, basically. So we continued <laughs> down that route, which went fine. But then there's obviously, you know, various stuff going on with her at the time. So she wasn't happy with the way her face was looking and then would go off for. 20 minutes and then come back and then it's all ended up with her running out of the studio crying for whatever reason after a phone call that she had had so wow. lucky enough we had had you know we got like five or six frames done at that time but it was one of those kind of nail-biting moments where you have to go back to the editor and kind of explain why you've only got five pictures of a woman with a strap-on dildo down her trousers when that wasn't the kind of the idea oh wow yeah so that was a bit bit of a nightmare Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. What a great story. <laughs> you've had some amazing covers shot by Bailey. You've commissioned Norma Jean Roy. You had a great exclusive with Theresa May last year. Mm-hmm. How much input do you have on the creativity and the concepts for shoots in that, like in that scenario? And um, what are the meetings about the creative like? You know, I know Dan Bidolf, who you've worked yeah. with before, and I think you brought him in here, didn't yeah. you? You know, yeah, there's definitely some synergy between you two, which must be lovely for you. But so it's a sort of a two-part question, really, but, you know, starting off with the the creativity and the concepts for the shoots, you know. Yeah, I mean, the the beauty about working here at the Sunday Times, kind of more so than, than any of the other titles I've, I've worked at, is that kind of as a picture editor, 
it's your kind of domain. The, the photos are your domain. There is, to a certain extent, a, co- a collaboration between, you know, the art director or creative director or that with with you. But it's pretty much up to me to choose who photographs. You know, who would shoot the cover, or yeah. you know, if we've got I don't know a reportage story in Syria or that, it's up to me. Yeah, which is brilliant. Which is kind of why I do the job at the yeah. end of the day. Different titles have been kind of different over the years, and I, I worked a lot with Dan kind of back at Heat. He's he's a great art director. And, you know, we got them really, really well there, kind of, and it was a lot more conceptual back then. So there are a lot more people getting involved in the conversations. But then at Q, again, it was kind of pretty autonomous, my decision to who would choose it, you know, mm. with input, you know, with the creative directors that, that I worked with there. And sometimes it was fairly conceptual, the covers there. But we're kind of less down that route at the Sunday Times magazine, yeah. I suppose more because it's, it's more of a kind of commercial proposition and because yeah. of the demographic that it reaches, yeah. you know, it's anyone from, you know, 18 to literally dropping off the perch that, that reads it. Yeah. So it has to kind of cater for all of, for all age ranges. So it's kind of less conceptual in, in that sense and more kind of um, traditional portraiture, I suppose, on, on the shoot side of things. Yeah. But that, you know, gives me complete, authority to, to commission who I want really at the end of the day and really kind of work with the people that I want to work with. Yeah. And I know we'll, we'll deliver kind of what we're after both, you know, on the portrait front and on the, the documentary and, and, um, reportage. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Great. Also, I wanted to ask you, has anyone ever turned you down by that? I mean, a photographer turning you down and not wanting to shoot for you or the, for, for the magazine. Yeah. Over the years, um, I think probably, just one spring to mind. Uh, when I was at GQ, actually, we, I think we approached Inez and Vinood. Is that, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. To shoot Kim Kardashian, actually, of all people, for the Women of the Year cover. And we kind of approached them you know, to see if they were interested in doing it and got really kind of shitty response from the agent that they wouldn't be interested in doing it. Whether or not that was because of the subject matter or, you know, because of the title, I don't know. That was kind of one. But then... You know, Tom Munro went on to shoot it and it, it got a hell of a lot of exposure at the end of the day. So I think that's kind of a trick that they missed. But generally, because of the the titles that I've kind of worked for, I get quite good receptive responses from, you know, photographers that I haven't worked with before that, that I've approached to, to shoot with. Yeah. So I've kind of been lucky, I suppose, so far to be able to work with the people that I want to work with. What about any divas? Like, oh, he'll do it, but he must have, you know, chop Granny Smith on a plate and he must fly first class. Do you get, yeah, any, you do, you do do you get, get a few riders you, coming through? You, you do get that to a certain extent. But I mean, I'm, again, I'm really lucky in this in this job kind of at the, at the Sunday Times magazine that I've kind of set out, without going into it too deeply, but I've set out a kind of generic rate for photographers in the US and to make it fair more than anything so that everyone kind of adheres to that rate, which is great and I'm, I'm really pleased that people have kind of you know responded well to it so you know we've got the likes of art striver shooting for us and joe puglis and austin hargrave and people like that and they're all work for our, our kind of flat rate which is brilliant yeah and i think it's important to do that because you know there's, there's so much disparity in terms of how much photographers earn and how much you know someone thinks they're worth and, and others think they're worth to be able to just go with them and say look it's x amount I'd do love you to do it. Do it. Yeah. Will you do it or won't you do it? And because of the the gravitas of the magazine and the title and what we're doing on the magazine and how it's looking, ninety nine percent of the time they're saying yeah. Great. Well, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Great. 
What do you think of social media? I wanted to talk about that for a minute. And um, uh, well, what do you think of Instagram to start with? Let's talk about that for a minute. Is it is it on your radar? Is it something you use personally? And is it something you use for work? Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with it. Now. <laughs> I never, I, I wasn't, but um, it's something that, you know, before it's Facebook, I suppose, and you're kind of, before you know it, you're constantly checking it all the time. And I left Facebook years and years and years ago, but Instagram, because I'm a visual person and I'm, I pretty much border on being obsessed with photography. It's, you know, it's how I get my fix. Mm. So I'm constantly just looking on Instagram and it's, it's, you know, it's paid off as well for me work-wise, you know, in the, in the career, because the number of photographers and the number of photographers kind of projects that I've published in the magazine, because I've seen their work on Instagram and what they're up to on Instagram, you know, I'll then go and, and um, approach them and, and we've actually published know their stories in, in the magazine that's great yeah that must be quite satisfying for both parties really Definitely, you and yeah. you and them yeah i mean it you know it serves its purpose in that in that sense you yeah know, the exposure for them at the end of the day you know putting getting their work seen by people like me in, in the industry yeah and it, it really is good for that for that kind of thing you know stuff that you wouldn't necessarily be aware that someone's doing a personal project on Mm. And it could be right up our street. So yeah. it's yeah. it's one of the places. I'd, I'd so you make time at. almost to you to look through for that reason, sort of yeah, scouring. Yeah, it. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. God, that's great. Where do you think it's going with social media? What do you think will what might happen in the next five years or so? Do you think? I mean, Instagram's great at, at the moment. I think it's it's kind of got that balance. I was, I was a bit kind of perplexed when they brought out this kind of video side of it it's mm. turning a bit kind of youtube but i mean what i like about it compared to you know i don't really use snapchat but all of the other social media platforms is it's, it's predominantly photography you know and that's what it was brought around designed for. for yeah yeah so previously you know prior to instagram coming around i was on Flickr a lot and you know getting my fix through looking at Flickr. but instagram's kind of taken over for me i think both you know in my personal life putting out my personal photos and that as well as you know through my career and, and, um, and looking for my job, you know, looking for photographer stories and projects. Yeah. Great. I wanted to talk about, um, print for a moment as well, because everybody says, oh, you know, print's in decline, et cetera, et cetera. What, how are things going on that front at the Sunday times? What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, what do you think will be happening in five years time? I definitely think, you know, digital technology and the, the digital side of stuff is, is looming kind of, and, is going to probably overtake print to a certain extent, but I don't think print would die as much as people are kind of predicting that it will. There's a lot in the headlines about the doom and gloom is the death of print, the death of papers and everything like that. And that's, you know, undeniably the case in some aspects, but the Sunday times is still doing really well with, you know, we're still strong and the, um, the biggest selling kind of quality broadsheet paper on the Sunday, obviously the magazines included in that. I, I do think, there will be an evolution at some point of content for the digital readership. But I mean, over the years I've, I've seen this kind of introduction of the iPad and, and those kind of media platforms come along and everyone's like, that's it. That's the end of print. It's dead. Everything's on the iPad, but it's not the case at all. No. And I think people have, if anything, have kind of reversed into wanting something more kind of tactile in their hands. And some of the iPad editions of, various magazines and that haven't really worked, I don't think, or they haven't gained the number of, that people have kind of expected them to. Yeah. Which, you know, still argues the case for having a, a print-based product. And, you know, you've got to face it, at the end of the day, not everyone has access to, you know, an iPad or 
you yeah. know, a computer even yeah. sometimes. I know a lot of majority of people do, but there's still something to be said about people taking time out and actually physically having something. And I think we're lucky at the Sunday Times because essentially, you know, you're a Sunday paper and Sundays traditionally are kind of a lazy day, you know, you sit in bed, you read the papers and that. I think the the weekly kind of titles and the daily newspaper titles will probably suffer more because, you know, people are getting their news quickly and on the minute yeah. on websites and, and Twitter and the likes of that, as opposed to, you know, buying a paper to digest it. But then that said, there's, there's an argument for quality journalism. Definitely. And you tend to not get the quality of journalism online as you do, or on certain online platforms, than you do kind of in print editions. Yeah. Yeah. How many approaches do you get from up and coming photographers and, and from those, how do you choose who to see? I do get approached a hell of a lot, but that's you know, expected to be when you're working for a you know, prestigious title, I suppose, yeah. whether it's Sunday Times magazine or, you know, or any magazine. Yeah, you, you do get people that are obviously really interested to shoot for you. The thing is, at the magazine, I've got a kind of core carousel or core set of photographers, I suppose, that I work with and, and kind of rotate through. And that's purely down to A, my relationships with them, knowing the quality of their work and what they're going to bring around and being able to kind of trust them and the consistency side of it as well. So it's easier to control a smaller pool of regular photographers than it is to just try everyone out that's out there yeah. because you need to know the quality that you're going to be getting back at the end of the day is going to be up to standard. Yeah. So that's why I suppose it's, it's uh, photographers find it hard to kind of break into to many titles because, yeah. you know, picture editors as a whole, we're creatures of habit yeah. at the end of the day and we like to work with the people that we like to work with. That said, you know, every now and then there's someone that comes through, comes through the ranks as it were that, really does kind of stop you and, and you think actually they're really different or give them a go and it, it works out really really well yeah. and definitely since I started here I kind of you know predominantly my background was in portraiture photography and um, I've you know tried to up the game photographically in the aesthetic of the magazine portraiture wise and the kind of reportage stuff was was stuff that I've kind of grown with mm. and um, and still really passionate about and still really kind of wanting to kind of develop in the magazine any really bad approaches or people approaching you in totally the wrong way? <laughs> Tell me about any of those. More, more so people don't kind of do their research or, I mean, what gets me with the, the Sunday Times magazine is people kind of get us confused with Style magazine, which is a completely different proposition. You know, Style magazine, for those of you out, out there that don't know, it's the sister magazine to the Sunday Times magazine, but it's a predominantly a fashion magazine. So I get a lot of fashion photographers, mostly from abroad, I suppose, which in fairness, you know, they, they don't know the difference, but, you know, ask them to shoot for, for the magazine, not knowing that we're two very different kind of propositions. But a lot of people tend to not do their homework and will approach me to kind of commission them or, or to join ranks, as it were. And they're just not suitable at all, you know, be that technically or you know, content-wise. Yeah, I've had, you know, pet photographers email me wedding photographers email me which they're great in their own right and they're in their in their own um in their own disciplines but it's not i'm not really gonna commission a wedding photographer to go and take a celebrity portrait or you know just because they do an inverted commas kind of reportage wedding documentary photography yeah. they're not going to go out to syria or iraq <laughs> and do a war story for, for me so i, I think a, a lot has to be said about doing your homework and knowing the kind of title that you're, that you're approaching and actually know 
what type of photographers they're commissioning, who they're commissioning, and the the likelihood of them being interested in your work mm. and it, you know, fitting in with their aesthetic as well. Have you got any advice for people wanting to show you their work? Yeah, I think, again, really do your homework and actually ask yourself, you know, is there someone that they already use that does what I do? And if that question is yes, kind of ask yourself, well, what do I do better? I think because there's no reason why I would stop using someone just because you do the same thing as them. But if you can come and bring something different to the table, then that will make me notice your work. So really kind of have a think about what it is you want to achieve by obviously, you know, there's a prestige side of it behind it, but what you think you can do differently that isn't being done, I think is the, is the big kind of ask. Great. Some of the stories the magazine covers are, are, are very sensitive. Uh, and so presumably you need to be very diplomatic and sensitive at, at those times as well, do you? Yeah, I think each each story kind of has a, has their own different approach. Um, we could we could be doing a story from you know the Boko Haram girls that have been kind of rescued, as it were, or um, you know Yazidi victims of the Yazidi kind of genocide and that. So you have to be really respectful for the people's own stories, um, and quite often that can involve it sounds silly, but kind of shooting someone anonymously. So being able to kind of take a photograph of someone without showing their identity, which is a bit of a, it sounds really simple, you know, shoot the back of the head, but that doesn't necessarily get it across. So no. it's, it's kind of speaking to a photographer and working out how you, how you can still capture those people and, and take their kind of portrait without giving, you know, their identity away. Mm. And that can be anything from a really kind of subtle, clever use of light to, you know, a composition close up on a certain aspect of their face or something like that. But there are obviously circumstances where those pictures need to be taken and because of the story needs to be told, but you need to have your sensitive hat on when you're doing them. You know, yeah. you can't really go into a group of people who have suffered a genocide and be like, okay, everyone, you know, mm -hmm. get together, smile at birdie. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So you, you have to kind of approach each subject, you know, as a, as its own case and then mm. kind of take a call when to, or how far you can push it, I suppose. It's not just the, the documentary side of, of, of work that needs to be sensitive either. It can carry across onto the portraiture side of, of things. And, um, we did a cover of Adrian Gill who unfortunately died of cancer and he was, Adrian was a great writer and a great contributor to the Sunday times and the Sunday times magazine. And, um, he was, um, he had cancer and was, was dying of cancer, but really wanted to write this piece as his kind of last big piece for the magazine on on his experience with the NHS and you know this this cancer that he had. So it's a really sensitive subject, and obviously we we're really aware of of the time that he had and and the sensitivity around that with his family as well. And we got Tom Craig to go down and photograph him, and Tom had a, a long-standing relationship with Adrian. He had done numerous stories with him for the paper and the magazine. So they already had this really close relationship. So Tom went down to his house in, in, um, in West London and photographed Adrian in his garden. And, um, it's a really difficult period, I think, or really difficult session because essentially Adrian was dying at the time and throughout the shoot, Tom was shooting him and, um, Adrian was kind of stopping and, and grimacing in pain because of, you know, the pain that he was in and Tom would stop photograph and Adrian was like no 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 you need to capture this this is what it is this is this is cancer 
And so he he shot a beautiful set of pictures with Adrian kind of in out in his garden in the kind of cold. And there's a prominent image that was for the cover, actually. And I didn't notice this aspect of it until we got the proof back from the printers. And there's a stunning portrait of Adrian kind of head back. And you can just see this wisp of breath kind of highlighted through through the sun, which is literally kind of his, you know, his last breath, his last piece for the magazine. And it's absolutely stunning picture, but, you know, really kind of sensitive, but respectful at the same time, as well as the the documentary side of, of war zones and genocide and, you know, overall nasty stuff that happens in the world where you have to kind of be sensitive to subjects. It does crop up in portraiture as well from time to time. What's next for you? Hopefully wheeling me out of here in a box, <laughs> <laughs> going down and lifting the wheelchair. Um <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got to a point where I'm working on, or I'm working at the place I've always wanted to work at. And it's the variety, I think, that keeps me excited about working here. And, you know, it's not just a celebrity magazine. It's not just a music magazine. It's not just a fashion magazine. It's it's everything, you know. We can yeah. be doing stuff, celebrity portraits. We could be doing portraits with politicians. We could be doing portraits with, you know, someone whose children are, just been killed or someone who's survived cancer or you know going off to a war zone or a whole real manner of things and that's what kind of keeps me interested in doing kind of what I do day to day is the variety so I think I'm lucky to be in the position and I know that I'm lucky to be in the position that I am but it's something I've always wanted to do I think great well Russ thanks so much for taking the time it's been fascinating to uh, hear all these amazing answers and um, catch up with you soon Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.